Today on Laura Lynn and Friends. Uh, we'll go and he expects within two to four months after that, we will hear a verdict regarding the appeal. Uh, we're not too optimistic as far as winning that. We might get the charges reduced a little bit, but we're going to take it all the way. We're looking for vindication. We're looking to, to be told that it was unlawful for authorities to try and interrupt our service, regardless of the reason, um, the sham of, of COVID notwithstanding. But we are protected as far as we understand the law currently, unless it's been changed, we are protected during the practice of our religious gathering. I'm Laurel and Tyler Thompson, and I'm having a blast spending most of my life in a car these days, uh, traveling to many different places. Um, we completed, I don't know, how many days was it in Canada, through Saskatchewan, uh, Manitoba, and Ontario. I think all told was pretty much about 20 days. We're gearing up for September. It's going to be 20 days through Alberta and um, and BC. And so I'm pretty excited about that. And until I can get there, I am down in the United States of America and I have been speaking with Pastor Archer Pulowski's beautiful wife, Marjena, and his son, uh, Nathaniel. And what an incredible family. I have just been enjoying my time with them. They are incredible people. We had Pastor Archer on just a few days ago. And as you know, he has been vindicated in a very big way. And Canada has something to make up for in the way that they have treated their churches their pastors and all of the things that have happened, there has got to be some justice that is done. So Pastor Archer's uh, fight is certainly not done. And we are going to talk to another pastor and his wife today about the trouble that they've had in the courts for Pete's sake. But right before that, let me show you a fascinating clip that I think very revelatory. Is that a good word? revelatory. Good use, eh? Yeah, he liked it. <laughs> I just showed up. Okay, take a look at this clip. And this really has to do with, um, it's number 23, the undeclared nanotechnology found in the Pfizer shots by scientists in Austria and New Zealand. And let me tell you, all kinds of scientists all over the world are reporting similar things. They're finding it. The sham is up. The gig is up. And all of this is going to be revealed. And all of you who thought that uh, it's just conspiracy theorists that talk like this, well, I guess it's also scientists and people with huge reputations and degrees behind their name. Take a look. Um, we were contacted early in the week um, by a group of scientists who've been doing some uh, scientific analysis and microscopy work um, on the Pfizer vaccine, um, which had been uh, stimulated by some overseas reports. Uh, by groups of uh, you know, very credible and credentialed um, experts, chemists and, and pathologists uh, who were reporting um, finding what appears to be very, very, uh, very, very tiny, but very complex um, sort of nanoscale technology. Uh, and the group in New Zealand have found uh, exactly the same thing. So um, I was asked to, uh, to go and have a look. Um, and I, I, I have certainly satisfied myself that these are not fakes. Uh, and that these are real people and this is real work having been done in New Zealand. Have you ever come across anything like this before? Well, we, we've been aware from uh, of the reports that I mentioned. Um, from the overseas? Yes. Um, so there's a, um, a Spanish group, um, so Orwell.city. 
is the website, and they've been publishing work steadily. Uh, and and um, there's a group uh, in Germany, um, very eminent uh, pathologists, who reported uh, their findings on post-mortems of people who died post-vaccination, and they reported seeing things that they'd never seen before in their very long careers. They also reported finding um, unexpected ingredients, shall I say, in the, in the vaccines. Uh, and in fact, there were a number of other scientists and health professionals on that uh, press conference who also reported the same thing. So, um, you know, it's still, it's still very shocking when you see it yourself. Uh, you know, it's important to remember when you're looking at the pictures and the videos um, that, uh, you know, this is nanoscale, which means, you know, extremely small. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and some of the uh, sort of the behavior of what seems to be machinery or circuitry, um, routers, chips, that type of thing, um, you know, is, is very hard to explain. But um, scientists tell me that, that at that sort of scale, things like gravity and magnetism um, behave rather differently. Mm. And I'm, I certainly am no expert at all in this area. Um, but having uh, spent a very hurried few days really trying to um, prove up this work and satisfy ourselves uh, that um, you know, really it needs investigating by, by the professional regulators um, and investigators who are charged with protecting the public. Now, that is nothing different than what Dr. Robert Young reported months and months ago. Little strange chip-like features. You've also seen this on Stu Peters. You've also seen um, other doctors saying that we've pulled this vaccine apart and this is what we're finding. One of the most interesting and I would dare say disturbing interviews that I have done as of late was with Dr. John Oluni and if you can go to my bit shoot and get that, he's also fully on Twitter and Facebook. None of it has been taken down, none of it. And I thank those platforms for that. Although we've grown to not appreciate that sometimes the truth gets stifled, I am glad my interviews are being allowed to stay. And I'll tell you why, because I like verification of the facts and the truth. I want to know that real doctors are verifying what is there. I like to see stats. I like to see um, the, the latest that's coming out from Israel in particular, where their science is phenomenal. They're now going into fifth and sixth shots and no one's too happy about it, by the way. So all of this COVID nonsense seeing worldwide, we're seeing that nobody is happy about the shutdowns, the lockdowns, a colossal failure and a joke. Colossal failure in that masks never worked, in that the shutdown hurt kids. We've now terrified an entire, you know, an entire, you know, grouping of children that had to be, you know, told that you do this or you're going to kill grandma and grandpa. And all of this, it never worked. And now that we have vaccinated the world many many have taken really up to four shots you can go to my facebook page on an article has not been taken down being reported by dr paul alexander a canadian and an american a doctor who has paid the highest price a doctor who was on the advisement team 
for warp speed for Donald Trump, who has since said we made a grave mistake. This was not what we thought it was. These shots did not work. As the data came out from Pfizer and Moderna and the VAERS reports, we have made a very great error. And now people are dying in the hospitals with their third and fourth jab from COVID. So obviously what the government has done has been a complete and utter sham, including the fines and wrongful, um, I would dare say unconstitutional assaults against the churches of Canada. So to that end, I would like to invite pastors Rodney and Tracy Fortin. They are from the Edmonton area. And I'm just so grateful that you're here with me today and you have got a story to tell. Thanks for sharing. It was great to see you recently in the Winnipeg area where we caught up and uh, you've, you've been through a lot in your church. Wow, it's great to be on your show. Thank you so much for having us. And uh, it was great to see you in Winnipeg too. It was a great time out there. And um, yeah, we've had uh, quite a year, actually quite a couple of years trying to defend ourselves and to really exist as a church. I mean, we would never have thought when we started out in ministry that we'd be where we are right now. So yeah, I think- Tell, um, tell me what happened yeah. because it, it has involved, uh, you've been heavily fined. Uh, you've had to have your lives, I'm certain, somewhat, um, uh, you know, cursed with anxiety, perhaps. Uh, hopefully you've been relying on the Lord, but uh, you've had to go to court and a whole bunch of stuff's been happening. So tell me uh, about the journey with that. It has definitely been a roller coaster of a couple of years. Um, well, as you, everybody knows, I mean, it started a couple of years back with, uh, with some mandates and some protocols that everybody, churches included, were supposed to follow. And at first we didn't know what all was going on. We did our best to be reasonable. I mean, obviously we care for our people. We, we care about people in general. That's why we do what we do. And so we, we tried to be, you know, to, to, to be wise and, 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 and due diligence and, and, you know, proceed with, with some caution. Um, but very shortly after the whole ordeal started, we realized, I'm sure as you were talking about in your little clip there too, um, it's a sham. The, the entirety of it, the masks, the, the entire agenda has been a sham. And so as soon as we determined that we needed to continue in obedience and just continue to love people, shepherd people, and, and do what God had called us to do, unfortunately, that meant that it, there was, there was an, a, a, a no to the mandates and to the government ultimately. And so we, we've done our very best to be obedient and continue one step at a time. And yeah, the price has has been great. We, we earned every single gray hair and, and every wrinkle along the way, but there's not a thing that we would do differently. Yeah. Um, the reward has been immeasurable. Um, God's favor and blessing has, has been at every turn and we continue to keep our eyes on him. We trust mm -hmm. him exclusively and uh the fruit of our labor has been abundant and we're we're so thrilled yeah in fact even to be sitting where we are today we were in court uh yeah a number of times um we pled our case i had an opportunity to address the judge personally she sat about five feet from me looked me in the eye for probably five six seven minutes and i was able to share share with her from my heart and appeal to her human side and even appeal to her as 
perhaps as having a little bit of a Christian upbringing. I don't know if that's the case, but I, I kind of spoke to her from a little bit of that perspective, hoping that, you know, the Holy Spirit would do what he does best and, and speak to, to her heart. And then we had to go back and she declared us guilty and fined us $80,000, um, not even for COVID necessarily measures because we simply didn't let them in. These are obstruction charges specifically because she wouldn't come in during the week. She wanted to come in during worship services where we were gathering with our congregants to minister to them for the purpose of, of seeking the Lord together. Yes. And she wanted to interrupt that. And we said, no way. With all due respect and humility, I'm sorry. You're simply not welcome at this time. Yeah. I'll tell you, I was really proud of uh, Pastor Tracy when mm -hmm. she uh, she actually looked at the judge and spoke to the judge. I mean, the words that she spoke to her were just so kind and so compassionate, but yet yet just um, with authority and with much love and to encourage and, and everything. And boy, if everybody could hear what she wrote, it was amazing. It wow. was an honor to do that, and I would do it again. It was one of the hardest things I've ever done because she – I, I felt the, the gravity of it. I felt almost as though she had my my future in the palm of her hand. You know, obviously she doesn't. God God has the last and final say, no. thankfully. But it was definitely um, a challenging ordeal. And and a moment that the Lord gave you to speak with clarity and passion uh, for a lot of people, not just your own church, but a lot of other churches that have gone through this. Were you surprised then that her um, verdict came back in this manner? No, I actually we we weren't surprised because when she started the trial, first of all, the the opening statement she said. It, to talk about the Charter of Rights and Freedoms, like we were really looking to get a charter breached because they were actually breaching our rights as Canadians. And that's what we've been fighting for this whole time. So mm -hmm. when she when she said in her opening statement that to talk about the Charter of Rights and Freedoms in this courtroom would be a waste of our time, that's that was really her words. And uh, it was it was terrible, you know, it, and really that was our defense. Our, our defense was that we would stand on the charter and really essentially for all Canadians, because what was happening to us was literally going to affect all Canadians' rights and freedoms, no matter what people worship or who people worship or, or you know, whether they're in a mosque on, on, on their day of worship or whether they're in a church on, on their day of worship, that kind of thing. We, we all have to, to have something that stands as a buffer in between us and a tyrannical government and that's the charter and so we we really felt like there was a charter breach and we needed we needed to be able to argue that in the court of law and she just wouldn't let us do it so because of that hostility in a sense with her words uh we weren't surprised by the outcome disappointed but not surprised the, the yeah. irony of all of that is that a lot of a lot of people don't understand obviously and we've had our share of hate mail and phone messages and even graffiti on our church building and you know some personal threats nothing too terribly serious but but enough that the, you can't help but notice the irony because the people that disagree with the stand we've taken their very right to disagree with us is protected and it's that very right that we are fighting tooth and nail to protect but they 
they they don't catch that. It's it's unfortunate. Maybe in time they'll look back and see it, but their right to disagree with us is protected in all of this as well. So we're watching that, um, you know, I, I've had pastors on here. I think that they had almost a million dollars worth of fines as well. Uh, what What is your feeling about Canada? Why this has happened? Did you think, if we were to go back three years ago and uh, given the scenario, oh, there's a, you know, a potential worldwide pandemic, <clears throat> um, would, would you have thought that the, the government and the courts would have behaved this way? Or would you have thought because we're in Canada, this free society, that it wouldn't be the way that it's, it's been? Well, you know, partly I, I'm really not very much surprised because I remember going into a library, it would be about five years ago, and I remember sitting, walking in there, and I see this hate literature stand put up, you know, it was Hate Literature Month or something like that in the library, and they had a Bible in the center. And, and I asked the librarian, I said, why is the Bible here? And she said, well, it's a book full of hate and, and that kind of thing. And I said to her, I said, well, um, you know, you obviously have never read this book and you don't know what this book's about and, and the God of this book. And, and I, I really demanded that as a taxpayer that she would take that book off the shelf that I found that quite offensive. But on another occasion, I was in a courtroom asked to speak as a character reference for somebody and the judge asked me who I was. Now, this is going back just about five years ago. And, uh, and I told him that I was a minister and the judge says, I don't care who you are. And the judge totally disrespected me and disregarded me in the court in front of everybody. And I thought to myself, where is this country going where there is no respect or regard for the men and women of God that serve God in this nation? So, you know, when the church is facing some of these things now, it's not really too surprising to me. But I didn't realize that it was going to come this fast and this hard. I really feel like it's been escalated so, so far and so fast with COVID. It really has. Um, you know, one of the headlines that's just literally come out uh, while we've been talking, uh, it, this is, a, this is a, an article dated today's date from Health News. Healthcare workers who sued over COVID vaccine mandate win $10 million settlement. Uh, this is something that's beginning to uh, happen is that people are beginning to win. They're beginning to get some reprieve as Pastor Art Pulowski has gotten in our courts. Um, there's beginning to be an understanding that there's an overlay. And now we have the pilot. We have Coca-Cola employees that are taking their companies to task over these mandates. Um, we have, you know, we have a whole, we have postal workers now as well. So it's not mm-hmm. that just the churches, because in a way the churches were up front. You were like the first line where, <laughs> thank God for people like yourself that stood and said, like, we, we honor God as opposed to man, yeah. and we're going to serve the community, but it's all changing. And I think that's positive moving forward. Um, so but you you still have to to go are you appealing or something like that is that what you said definitely the appeal process has begun uh we have a date set for september 16 i think it's at 10 o'clock in the morning amazing that'll be yeah that'll be the beginning of the appeal process um our lawyer james kitchen who has been fantastic there's our little shameless yeah. plug um he i know james yeah, 
Oh, do you? <laughs> he's great. Yeah, he has. He's been really great for us. Uh, we'll go and he expects within two to four months after that, we will hear a verdict regarding the appeal. Uh, we're not too optimistic as far as winning that. We might get the charges reduced a little bit, but we're going to take it all the way. We're looking for vindication. We're looking to to be told that it was unlawful for authorities to try and interrupt our service, regardless of the reason, um, the sham of, of COVID notwithstanding. But we are protected as far as we understand the law currently, unless it's been changed, we are protected during the practice of our religious gatherings. So yeah. two to four months after September, so November, December, January, and if we end up not winning our full vindication at that point, then we're going to take it to the Court of Appeals, which is where Pastor Arter won his latest victory. So yeah. we're optimistic that we will either at step two or step three get some vindication. But we are looking to go all the way for that. Well, I just thank you for standing uh, and and just being a voice of courage because so many pastors haven't. Uh, Pastor Rodney uh, pastors in Canada have accepted bribes, 50 to 60,000 plus dollars in order to promote the, the COVID narrative and the vaccine passes just in order to get to church. Many, many churches said you need to have the COVID pass in order to have a moment with Jesus at church. And as a pastor, I'm wondering, what is your perspective on the, the what I feel is a sellout to our nation and before God, the religious institutions of our churches. Yeah, well, that's a that's a real serious thing. I mean, first of all, I I I know it's been a difficult season for all of the churches and for all of the leaders, and there was a big decision to be made. Obviously, we had to make a decision. We felt God was calling us to be the tip of the spear in this uh, fight and uh, to stand for for this and realizing that. Um, you know, not everybody's necessarily going to be a voice during this time, but um, we really felt like God say, you know, we want you to uh, to stand and, and watch what I do as a result. And so we were offered as well. We were offered bribes as well and from the government and and uh, we wouldn't take it. We said, no, we're, we're not going to take it. We felt like that would be a betrayal of, of our commission before God and, and before his people. And 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 listen, I'm I'm not going to judge the motives of the, the pastors' hearts and everything that that made the decision to do this. But I can tell you that we had moments where we wrote, we've writ, written probably thousands of letters, helping people doing religious exemption letters, and we had people write to us, say, telling us that their their pastors have told them unless they're double vaxxed, not to come back to church, and and they they told them that uh, you know Jesus would get vaccinated, and that's the right right thing to do. And and I don't know what Bible people are reading, but my Bible doesn't suggest in any way that Jesus would have ever taken a vaccine or that Jesus wouldn't have, wouldn't have prayed for people that had COVID. I mean, we prayed for people with COVID. We, we, uh, you know, went and delivered, uh, um, <laughs> helps medication, different things like that, you know, vitamins that would help people during this time. And, uh, you know, just different things, you know, we, we just knew that it was the right thing to do. And, and so for, for us, you know what, there is no question and and what we've seen through this time, because we did stand, you know, some people say, say if, if uh, you know, they go the other way, they're going to lose their church, that kind of thing. I mean, our church uh, more than tripled in number. Our, our budget went through the roof. We, we, our We're budget went at least two times more. 
Yeah. So, but I mean, that's the kingdom, you know, when you're doing the right thing, you're going to see increase. And uh, my conscience is clean. I can stand before God knowing that I stood for righteousness and I, I, I never forsook my, my call. I never retreated. You know, Jesus said, or God says in his word, my soul takes no pleasure in those who shrink back. And I, I think, you know, that's, that's bothersome to me. Um, you know, I believe that there is redemption. I, I believe that uh, people can make a choice in this next round to stand. I, I don't I don't believe we're done with all this nonsense. I mean, we're looking in the face of monkeypox and all these other crazy things that are coming. But, you know, now it's time for the church. So I just want to encourage pastors to, you know what, stand. You're going to see God deliver his people. But if I could just encourage pastors to do that, that'd be the greatest thing. I think it's worth noting, too, that the needs of the people not only did they not go down through COVID, they have gone through the roof. The, the, you talk about how our, our, our budget has, has increased substantially in the last couple of years. That has enabled us to help so many people. Yes. We've been able to turn that around. And the people that, that, that have lost their jobs or, or you know, not able to, to look after this need or that need, um, we've been able to open our doors even wider than before. So the reach the reach of these dollars has gone so much further and the number of people literally in tears in tears saying i have no family my family has deserted me my church family is all i have and then you want a judge to look at us and say you need to close your door because of a potential something or other out there come on give me a break we don't deal in potentials we (laughs) our god doesn't work that way he has come through over and over and over in these last two years, and it has been just incredible. You know, and guess what? We planted two new churches during COVID. We've got one in Beggarville now, and we've got one in Westlock. We didn't retreat. We grew, I love it. We expanded, and that's the kingdom. I love it. I love it. And I'm hearing that everywhere, that uh, churches that stayed open, stood, um, that, it, you know, just did not, you know, violate people's conscience and, and their their freedom um, have really have really exploded and so that, that is great news I really love you guys you're the real deal who blue and I just thank you very much for uh, hanging out with us even though I think you're frozen on the screen right now but um, I appreciate you taking time to be thank you so much and please keep standing uh, you know if we have to revisit this let's do it again after you have your September date as well people want to know how they can like a funding page or or an e-transfer that people could help you yeah go ahead tracy yeah the the simplest way is e-transfer church in the vine at gmail.com be sure to put the word freedom in the memo line just so we get it designated properly obviously we're hoping to not have to pay these fines um, but it looks like we are going to have to pay them at least in the short term and then if we win the appeal at the end, which is probably one, two, three years down the road, um, any money that's left over will go towards either the democracy fund or other churches that are fighting similar issues. We're not looking to pocket a penny. This is all being designated freedom fund. So that's the easiest way to do it. We do have a give, send, go account. You can search it up, Church in the Vine of Edmonton, but the the link for that is really long, so I do not have it memorized. <laughs> and we have that we have that in the uh, description underneath. People can click on it and uh, go straight there. So that's great. 
Well, I bless you. Thank you for being such a light at this very dark hour. We sure need people like you. And I wish we had a thousand churches just like your church across this country. God bless you. Keep standing. God bless you. God bless you. Bless you too. Thank you for having us. God bless you guys. You're welcome. Thank you. Well, those are some good, good people. Um, I'm a little concerned. Are you guys about what happened with President Xi Biden? That if you play with fire, uh, how did he put it? Oh, I wish my husband was here. He always has the exact wording. But basically, uh, you know, you're going to be burned up by that fire. Like, don't mess with us here in China. Can you imagine him talking like that to President Trump? I don't think so in a million years. It it was worrisome that that the president of china is telling biden if you send nancy pelosi to taiwan we are going to view that as a a breaking of the the pact or agreement that that has been between the united states and china okay can we play clip number 26 um and this is a doctor dr purnima wag she is telling the world that she could not find when tasked with trying to isolate this, the, uh, the virus. Listen to her and a whole team that tried to isolate the virus. Take a look at what happened. Inclusion, there is no SARS-CoV-2, hence there's no COVID-19, hence there's no variants, there's no gamma, no delta, no Omicron, and there's certainly no damn monkeypox. Monkeypox is essentially a side effects of the jabs, folks. There ain't no new virus. If you're, if you've been injected with monkey, uh, with any of the Pfizer or Moderna or whatever, Johnson and Johnson, any of those jabs, you get monkeypox. Essentially, you're detoxifying from your skin. So, um, I was contacted by my lab, uh, principal investigator and who's the chief, chief scientist of the lab. And they said they got 1,500 COVID positive samples from Southern California, and we got a huge $1.5 million grant from the NIH to do the isolation of the novel. We had 20 lab members, and we started the process of isolation and purification, characterization, and causation the way I described it should be done the correct way with the Koch's postulates and all. We started in late April 2020. And we went all the way through September of 2020. I mean, that's a very, that's several months. And the reason is my PI, the, the principal investigator, wanted the test done three times. She wanted us to do the isolation done three times on the 1,500 samples. Because she kept saying, when the first time when we did it, we didn't find anything. We just found cellular debris. We didn't find SARS-CoV-2. We didn't find flu. We didn't find anything, okay? That, because she was, she was upset that we hadn't isolated SARS-CoV-2. She was very much wanting to isolate and find this novel virus. So we did it three times, and we found the same thing, just human, just cellular debris under the microscope the way we did it. And then, you know, once we did the Koch's postulates, we used ferrets instead of mice. And so we had 100 ferrets that we injected this material into. And then you always have to have a control group. That means you take a control group of another 100 ferrets and you inject them with saline solution. Now, I hate the way that ended because 
Uh, this clip was up on Twitter and it's like, well, if you take the ferrets, now this is very interesting. So um, on that link, which we are gonna put in our descriptions, um, it has the complete uh, uh, total presentation, doctor. I think it's huge. I think it's huge that they were all looking for all of this and it couldn't be found and that it was angering their superior, you know? I think that's very important. So do we have Glenn Jessam here? We had an interview with Glenn the other day and this was regarding the absolute mistreatment of his mother and how he discovered uh, what kinds of drugs were being given and he wants to do a short update since we had the interview, he says some things happened and he feels it's very important to talk about it. So, um, Aaron, do we have Glenn there? Yay. How are you, Glenn? You got an update for us. Yeah, Good to I see you. Good to see you too. Um, so in order to give an update, I'll give a background for people who may not have seen the show. Um, yes. The, uh, I spoke about the culture of death in a lot of healthcare. Uh, with doctors and nurses and whatever and we really shouldn't have to apologize all the time because it doesn't matter what profession there's a lot of people who are corrupt a lot of people who are cowards there are people who are lying there are people who do unscrupulous corrupt things um, and again I know and love a lot of doctors and nurses and, and they're great people <clears throat> but what I spoke about was what happened with my mother in that they accelerated her death by giving her combinations of morphine and they wanted to give her like 10 different psychotropic drugs because when you mix morphine and psychotropic drugs they're both central nervous system depressants and that accelerates death it gets them to stop breathing gets their heart to stop <clears throat> so after I spoke about this uh, and just in, in in telling the truth um, I spoke about a lawyer who was the former head of the Nova Scotia Barrister Society I had mentioned that about him I mentioned what firm he worked at and that he was a partner there and that he'd been working on this case with me. Um, so looks like I'm freezing up a bit there. But at any rate, I, I mentioned him. Uh, I, I watched it again. I don't even think I mentioned his name, but he told me that he'd have no problem with me mentioning his name. So his name is Darren Baxter. He's a full partner at McGinnis Cooper Law Firm in Halifax, uh, one of the most prestigious firms in uh, Nova Scotia. And he was a former head of the society, so he's a lawyer that's not low on the totem pole. He's a you know he's a high-profile lawyer, and um, he and I were were communicating before mom passed uh, during um, the medical murder and the follow-up afterwards. So the very next day, after explaining in much detail, which I won't get into here now, um, but in explaining in, in the detail what happened. Um, the next day I go in and I check my email. It's a Gmail account. And I have correspondence with Darren Baxter in regards to when we were introduced to one another, what helped him, uh, when I gave him a piece of business, selling a piece of property for a friend of mine that's now a piece of land that's getting turned into a Nova Scotia Community College. Um, and there were some things after. Every email between Darren Baxter and myself regarding my mother uh, has been deleted from my email, from my email, and I didn't delete them. So what does that mean? Yeah. Well, <laughs> there's a couple of different things. I talked to some tech people. Uh, he he deleted them from his end. So it was either um, it was either Google 
was involved in it, and uh, and we were critical of Google. I was talking about how you can't find all these cases of midazolam murders in the UK. You can't yep. find them now, on, right? So it could have been a Google thing. Uh, it could have been somebody that was watching the show, um, didn't like what I was talking about, and thought that they would take away the proof, which is, uh, and by the way, whoever did that, you miss me because all the emails are backed up. There's people blind CC'd on it, and I've been very, very public about it. So deleting some correspondence between my lawyer and I is very, very petty, um, but it does prove um, <clears throat> that that there are people here that, that want to either uh, hide the truth or they think they me. But after you and I did two hours, I think you've got the impression nobody's intimidating me. That is uh, very, very shocking. I want to play you a 30-second clip, which I think sums up what we all truly believe. This is the amazing Christine Anderson. She's from the UK, a parliamentarian there. And um, mm -hmm. to take a listen at what she says about all that's going on. This vaccine campaign, it will go down as the biggest scandal in medical history. And moreover, it will be known as the biggest crime ever committed on humanity. What do you think about that, Glenn? Um, it's true. Um, it's definitely true. And to, my mother's death wasn't related or COVID vaccine related uh, at all, but they did. And I mean, she's aware of it. I've heard her speak on it before uh, that um, they ordered a whole bunch of midazolam out of uh France, because the people in the UK, the powers that be, the bureaucrats, wanted the people to have a good death. I That's know. what they called it. And this is scandalous. It's, it's all related because uh, how they have treated the elderly, uh, even in the pressure that they've put on them to receive this fax, even in the um, the treatment and the, the the many, many deaths that went untreated properly for COVID and then those who are actually doing really well, like your mother, when they, when, when Dennis Meadows openly talks about depopulating the world from 7 billion down to 1 billion in a peaceful um, and special way, and he used those words, um, the, these people are crazy. And of course they will have all kinds of systems set up to go after the elderly and that's what you encountered. So I'm sorry about uh, those emails that happened, Glenn. I'm glad that you're on this. They've messed with the wrong person. And I do hope yeah. that whatever you can do to bring about some sort of, um, some sort of justice for your mom, that it is done because justice for your mom will be justice for other elderly people that are potentially in the same sure. pathway to harm as she was. Yeah. I'd like to add one thing there, what you said. Um, yes. About, you know about the vax deaths and we know what's happening there on a daily basis. Um, there's a, a good Facebook group, it's private, it's called uh, Sudden Death News, <laughs> appropriately. Um, but uh, according to Dr. Peter McCullough, who I know you've had on your show, According to Dr. Peter McCullough, he said that 85% of people who died supposedly of COVID didn't have to die. It was the ne ne neglecting to treat them with hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin and also... Many doctors have said this on this very show. Remdesivir, in its only ever trial with Ebola, 
killed more people than straight up Ebola. So they know that remdesivir was used in the United States. I don't know if it was used in Canada, but they know that the ventilators, the mistreatment, 85% of people who did die uh, with COVID didn't have to die. And that's according to Dr. Peter McCullough, who's published yep. over 600 and some world-renowned experts. That's also according he, to Dr. Artis. Yes. Yeah. People have yeah. said this, and, and you're absolutely right. Yeah. Peter McCullough, it's interesting how it goes. Peter McCullough had all kinds of honorary doctorates. He sat on all kinds of boards. He was regular on mainstream media. Dr. Peter McCullough is somebody who any surgeon and I'm a medical academic would just love to have his CV. And how he goes from being one of the most respected people on the planet to now because he outed what really happened. Um, now all of a sudden he's a conspiracy theorist like you and me and all these people. So I don't even buy into that anymore. There's people who analyze real conspiracies. There's people who are good at it. There are people who make things up. Um, but uh, right now we have a society where all someone has to do has to disparagement on somebody. Uh, oh, that guy's a conspiracy theorist. And then a large percentage of the population then discount the logic and the truth that that person has to say. All based on that one thing called name calling. Wow. Amazing. Glenn, we really love you. We love your spirit, your fight, and the courage with which you speak. I love having you on this show. And please let us know how everything's going. If there's any more updates and advancements, uh, you're always fascinating. And I just appreciate you as one of uh, Canada's finest fighters, one of the tremendous patriots that we have and we honor. Thank you for joining us today, Glenn. I wouldn't have been the finest fighter, but I, I will fight. Um, don't know if it's always the best way or whatever. But the, the thing is, too, is, you know, there are probably uh, the people that hack my email and deleted my emails. I made a Facebook post about it. My wall is always open because I don't care. And um, a Facebook post about it. And I showed a screenshot of me searching for this lawyer's name, Darren Baxter, and all that you can see. And there's like 50 emails in between in 2020, 2021 that are missing. I didn't delete them. I wow. had no reason to delete them. I'm trying to draw attention to myself, but I am trying to draw attention to medical murder and how it's done. And if you would allow me just one more thing that I did, that I forgot to mention last sure, time. Sure, go ahead, Glenn. This is something that w it, it's going to seem upsetting to people and they might not like to hear it. But when a loved one close to you is in the hospital, you don't just have to watch staff. You have to watch family and friends. Because when the staff are intent on accelerating death with this culture of death, sometimes they think they're doing the, the right thing, right? Which doesn't make it right, but that's, you know, it may be that their heart is not completely dark. They think they're ending somebody's suffering when they're accelerating death. Um, but people have, because my sister had my aunt come in and get my mother after they tried to kill her with four doses of midazolam and put an X on a piece of paper signing that my sister in another province would have the authority to make decisions. My mother made it very clear to her social worker, Helen, and it's in mom's medical that in the event she became incapacitated, she wanted me to make the decisions for her because she trusted that I would respect her Christian beliefs, not have her euthanized. Okay. But my aunt on the, order came in with a legal document it varies from province to province but here in nova scotia it's called personal directive and you make directions of what you want to have happen and people's rights are not being respected here 
But in this particular case, they broke us, they broke a lot of them, and they recorded the lot they broke. I've already spoken in front of one judge in regard to this, and in that, that judge basically swept this thing under the rug as quick as she possibly could. At the end, she said, do you have anything to say, say Mr. Jessam? And I went, um, well, that's it. That's a wrap. And she got up and walked out of the courtroom, right? I was wow. just collecting my thoughts. I literally said, um, and she used that as the opportunity to and go out because, um, Basically, she knows what she's doing. She's protecting the chief medical examiner, Dr. Bose of Nova Scotia. She's uh, uh, protecting the doctor who was on duty when my mother passed and stole my mother's body out of the morgue. Okay. She's protecting my sister, who's an oxygen, and her husband, who's a surgeon, who went to medical school with the guy who stole my mother's body. Like, there's an awful lot of crime committed here. But the thing is, when they do something bizarre and crazy, the person telling the story gets the label of being nuts. Right? My aunt has told family members not to speak to me. My, my aunt, and I've said to all of them, I said, well, why? Why would she not want you to speak to me? Because she's afraid of the truth getting out. She told one person, oh, I had uh, Doris, uh, uh, inconsequential document, a personal directive saying who, who, who gets to choose what she's incapacitated. That's the most impact in my mother's life. And it was used by my aunt and my sister. Okay, somebody again, it's not just a personal beef. What I mean is people who you know, care about, respect. What happens when the situation comes and it's in, and, 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 and somebody's gravely ill, uh, you have to watch your family and wives. And the staff that are looking to do this know who to find and who to seek and who to work with. They weren't working with me because all I would do is to say, look, my mother wants a natural death. You know, my mom wants to be made comfortable. Glenn, make her comfortable. your story is your story is so bizarre, and you know that that it's almost like uh, it, you know it could be a book, it could be a, a feature length movie. Basically, I'm very sorry uh, that you've been through this, and and I believe you. I uh, I know that this is you know just very intense, but I saw how my father was treated in the hospital, and I saw other people die around him and I know that the hospitals are not trustworthy but then if you I did not have that fear at all with my brother because my brother and I wanted nothing more than for my dad to be here forever but um I, I'm I do believe you I do believe there are sinister people and I think that is a a warning that is going to somebody who needs that warning today right now thank you Glenn thanks for joining us we'll talk again Thank you. And, and to your viewers, just remember, if you hear them saying we want to give them something for anxiety, something for depression, something like this, when they're on pain medication, don't do right? it Not for any mental health. That is that is for medical murder. And if one person by these two broadcasts we've done, if one person hears the name Medazlam, Ativan, uh, Haldol, these their, their favorite drugs, because Ativan is very common. People use it to fly. And, and, and take their anxiety down. And people use morphine when they're in extreme pain. But the combination of these things, so if your viewers take one thing out of this, is just when you hear that we're giving them a psychotropic drug and an opioid, the that's a recipe for death. And thank you so much, Lorlin. Thank you, Glenn. Thank you, and God be with you. Thank you. Wow. I mean, would you believe what is going on in our world? I want to leave you with a couple of videos we're going to put up. Uh, this is uh, number 96, uh, Madagascar protests against the government and inflation. 
Uh, it is happening everywhere. There's just a couple of different videos showing all of the chaos going on around the world. It's absolute, it's absolute insanity. And this is not just in Madagascar. Uh, so Aaron, let's pull out of that. Let's go to the next one. The next one is number 68. And uh, we'll be able to show number 68. And, and this is um, a, a compilation of people showing all these different places in the world absolutely erupting. If it's not about climate crisis, if it's not about taking the CO2, the nitrogen down, take a look at this one. There you go. So, oh good, it's nice and quiet. I can keep talking over it. All of these places, different countries in the world erupting. And guess what? There's also Canada that's gonna be erupting. And I'll tell you why, because our own prime minister is now following suit with all of the other nut jobs in the world. And prime minister Trudeau wants to now decrease nitrogen. I talked to a farmer and an engineer last night about the damage this is gonna cause and what a farce this is you've got the farmers that are going to be rising up and trudeau must go that is the bottom line i don't know how we survive till 2025 but i can tell you something that uh i'm not too worried about it because god is large and in charge and the moment that god wants this prime minister gone let me tell you mr prime minister the moment God wants you gone, you will be gone. It will be humiliating and very, very ugly. And no human being has to take you out at all. God himself will deal with you and your evil connections to the WEF, which are well on record, your connections to uh, the, the, U, the uh, United Nations, your connections to the WHO, your evil connection, even colluding with Dr. Teresa Tam, when you know that what you're putting out there is completely false, all you want is, is the agenda of, of Agenda 2030 to be promoted. You're in with all the other evil people. Instead of putting Canadians first, instead of understanding what we were up against, you have harmed Canadians. God is watching and it's all going to be on you. My website is laurelin.tv. Thank you very much. I'm um, I'm a handful, and sometimes I get off a show and I go, oh my gosh, I don't know if you should say this, but I just feel something rising up inside of me, you guys. We have been, we have been taken in. We have been overtaken by evil, and we have got to fight. So I'm here every single day fighting for you. The only way that I can do this is if you help me. Thank you for helping me. Many of you have taken me under your wing and see me as a viable place to sow good seed so that I can keep doing what I'm doing. We're not messing around. We are not messing around. This is the most vile attack. As that amazing woman, Christine Anderson, from the parliament in Europe is stating, this will go down as the greatest assault against humankind of all time. The evidence is coming out. It can't be hidden for long. Mainstream media uh, is going to end up looking like absolute fools and they should be charged. And there will be prosecutions, I believe. And if perchance you're not prosecuted in this lifetime, you will have an eternity 
to pay for what you have done. God help us all. I'd like to leave you with a scripture. I'd like to read to you today from 1 Corinthians 2. I'm going to start at verse 6 and it says, God's wisdom revealed by the Spirit. And boy, do we need that. You bunch of lying snakes. Evil, evil. May God deal with you ever so severely for the lies that you are telling, for the lives that you are harming. In verse 6 it says, We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. You hear that? You rulers of this age harming good people, you are coming to nothing as declared by the powerful word of God. No, it says in verse 7, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. Amen. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, you hear what he's saying here? Even the rulers in the old days, if they would have known what they were doing, that they were creating the way of salvation for all of mankind through the death of Jesus Christ, they wouldn't have done it, right? They would have been playing right into God's hand and known it, but they didn't know. What no eye has seen and what no ear has heard and what no human mind has conceived, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. Amen. Do you love him? I do. I love God. I love Jesus. I love the way he takes care of us in the middle of this craziness. Every time I hear, you know, something that's just outrageous put forward by an amazing doctor or somebody that's got a tale to tell of the truth, I am just so grateful that I love God and he loves me and he's got us, you guys. You don't have to worry. You don't have to think that politics is the answer. Are you kidding me? We, we don't have any political maneuvering right now that is going to fix what Justin Trudeau is doing. We need a miracle. We need more people on our side. We don't have that. We need, we need the numbers, right, on our side. Well, guess what? God likes to have a Gideon army. He likes to have 300 good men, not 20,000. He doesn't need 20 million. He needs just a few good men to operate in obedience. God likes to do the impossible with the righteous who are following him and serving him with all their heart. Do not be alarmed or dismayed by what you are seeing out there. Not for a second, everyone. We've got the God of the universe on our side. Do not have any anxiety because the net they set for others will be the net that they themselves will be ensnared in. And it closes with this, verse 10. 
These are the things that God has revealed to us by His Spirit. Don't let anything be revealed by man that you pay any attention to. Only God's Spirit. Love you guys. Have a great weekend. See you later. You know, it's not easy to deliver the truth of what our sick world is doing. But for some of us, we feel that we have no choice. Because if we are silent about these abominable things, then we are letting evil go unchecked and we cannot do that. For those of you wonderful people who are writing me and are sharing your encouragement, I am deeply grateful. Thank you for all the letters that you've been sending. Thank you for the donations and the support. I found out that in order to speak the truth, you have to become very, very strong. If you would go to my website at www.lauralyn.tv, you'll find all of the ways that you can contact me. Remember, my friends, all is well. All is well. Thanks for joining me.